Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where in the world you are. Happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, and Happy Kwanzaa. It is a couple weeks till Christmas, which means it is the stressful countdown starting. And that's what we're going to talk about today is continuation of our conversation of how stress impacts you, but how to let it go and keep and maintain not only your weight, but the healthy mindset to go with it. Because stress has a huge impact in gaining or losing weight. And welcome the host to our show today, Beth. Hi, Mary. Uh <laughs> talking about stress i am now out in my car with more signal <laughs> yeah i'll get you a login information so you can just do it through wi-fi <laughs> I, that would be great <laughs> well the problem is, um, is i learned this when um, i worked at a dance club when you're in a, yeah. a building that's covered in steel it blocks the signal it's, you know, the last few, how many weeks now? The last couple of weeks I've done it from in there, but I feel like there's a lot of, I mean, it probably doesn't make any difference, but I just feel like there's a lot of people in there today. And they're doing some sort of work. Everybody's in the crunch. Ready to get ready for yeah. the new year. Yeah. Uh so, continuing talking about stress, and I know that the holiday season stress is like, it's truly just a different brand, I feel like. Um, I know that, like, you know, no, no one's immune to it. I feel that even in our house, it's just overwhelming, and I've tried this year to keep it to a minimum in terms of what we're what we're doing, how many parties we need to go to, all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's still, it's still a lot. And now next week we've got a um, third grade school spirit week before break. Oh, no. You know, yeah. I really think the holiday stress is a little worse than in the female world, swimsuit season. 
see, I don't care. <laughs> I guess that's the difference is I don't really care. I just put one on and go. I don't go in the water, so um, I don't wear one. You don't get in the water? No. Oh, why? I I have a, one, I have a fear of water, which is why I joined the Army, not the Navy. And two, mm, okay. um, because of my back injuries, when I get cold, it locks and the muscles get tight and I have a hard time moving, like, my legs and stuff. Ah, and it's well, just, and that definitely I, won't work. There's no appeal to me, and it's really everyone thinks it's weird because I live in Minnesota, the land of lakes. <laughs> it's used to when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, but it's just, just it's not going to be comfortable for you. You know, I stand outside oh. and watch my kids play. I mean. Yeah, you enjoy it in your own way. Mm-hmm. And even when I do, it, I'm in shorts and a tank top anyway. <laughs> so when did you give up doing a bathing suit? Um, it was like, it wasn't long after my daughter was born and I just, to me, it was a lot of work to have to go change, get the kids going, because they're out in the pool before I'm even, you know, around, and trying to find one that fits, that covers, that's appropriate, in my eyes, appropriate. Ah. You know, so I just started wearing, like, a bikini top and shorts, or yeah. a tank top and shorts, because I just, I like my butt being covered when I'm in pu- when I'm anywhere in public. <laughs> I I don't think that you're alone in that. I used to wear um like they were bathing suit bottoms, but they were short. I don't know how else to describe that, but like I no, remember no, I had a pair shorts. that were essentially like yeah, either boy shorts or even like. I even had a pair, I remember in college, like very distinctly, that were like surf shorts, like board shorts, but shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and I what I wear. Yeah. But it's just hard to find in the world where I live. Uh, yeah, I don't remember where I found those. That was quite well, a long time ago. Easy. But for me... Clothes shopping is like my stressor. It's my anxiety, my trigger. Because I've spent my life so long in uniform. And then when I was growing up, I was raised by my a good part of my life by my grandma, which is very old school Catholic. So girls had to dress a particular way. You didn't wear holy clothes. You didn't wear tank tops. You wore, you know, you dressed appropriate. And I'd have my little friends that helped me go shopping and pick out dresses for clubs and stuff but for the most part you know even on a military base people don't realize this is you're restricted on what you wear even off duty and it's like so all n- your life you've been told what to wear mm-hmm. and now you or have to pick your own what, not what to wear so you know for me it's 
hard. And then at the same time, I'm built with really long legs. So it's hard to find clothes that fit me. Uh, and so I'm still in, my husband gets frustrated with me because I go, I do garage selling just because I haven't figured out what I like. So I'm not going to spend money to decide I like this now, but when you go home, it's like, I don't really care for it. And so yeah. for me, just that whole concept is just, I hate it. And it's it's something you can avoid, I mean, to an extent. At some point, you're going to clothing. Oops, yeah. But it's just, you know, right now it's sweats and, like, leggings and a couple pairs of jeans. But, you know, I don't go. That, that is the benefit of being at home, right? Like, you can get away with it just, like, sweats, leggings, and, like, nice jeans. It, it is. And it's the benefit of having a business, you know, like, online and stuff, too, because they only see you from the top up anyway. That's. That's so true. <laughs> There's plenty of days where I, well, like, I dress down a lot more now um, that I just work for myself. But when I was still working for the health system and because, I mean, I had to look very professional um, when I was doing, like, the business development stuff, I, I would wear, like, sweatpants on the bottom and just wear, like, a really nice sweater, like a blazer and a blouse on top. Well, and the cool thing is, some of some of the new sweats they look like dress pants. I've seen that somebody caught on. So you don't even know the difference, and you're still comfortable. I just have a hard time with people, you know, shoving myself into an outfit just to sit there and be uncomfortable. That's yeah, yeah. If they're not going to see it, there's no point. So, me, it's no point here regardless. <laughs> um, bringing it back to like holiday eating breath, right? This is the time of year where there's, um, right, there's increased stress, there's increased like almost like perfect, like pressure to perform, right? Like either hosting parties or attending parties, and what do you bring? What do you wear? Um, how are your children behaving, like all kinds of things. So I feel like it goes beyond just like making sure that you've got the presence that you need, right? There's, there's, it's more nuanced and there's more um, of that like stress of social interaction. Even if it's something that, you know, is enjoyable for somebody, there's still some, some pressure and some stress there. Um, that's worth noting, right? Like, I think we talked a little bit about how, like, stress can be good stress, too. Like, um, it doesn't necessarily, we equate it with something that's bad, but it can also be, like, for something that's good and fun, but it just, it still takes work. Um, and this time of year, there's usually all kinds of like cookies and sweets and things around and those have such a draw for us just like biologically 
to reach for them when we are stressed um, because that sugar does make you feel better. It is a quick, um, you know, a quick fix. It's not going to long-term make you feel any better. Um, in the long term, it'll make you feel worse, but it does make you feel better in the short term, um, which is why we're sort of programmed to reach for those higher sugar foods when we're feeling stressed out or down, things like that. Um, no, and that's the hard part. Science with it. Yeah. You know, is saying no when a lot of us, the more we're stressed, especially like office Christmas parties or um, church parties, things like that, when you're, you know the people, but you're not quite comfortable with them, you try yeah. to, you shove your face to avoid the conversations. Oh, I never, I didn't think about that one, but yeah, it's something to do, right? And then you don't have to talk to anybody if you're chewing. Um that is a tough one. I know um, with some of my clients, we talk about, like, scripting. So basically, like, figuring out what you would say in order to say no to somebody offering you the food. Um, but those uncomfortable situations where you're just, like, hand to mouth because it's something to do, I almost wonder, in, like, if in that kind of situation – a behavior replacement would work. So like grabbing like a seltzer or uh, like a glass of water or something. So like a non-calorie drink so that you can still do the hand to mouth, but it's actually something that would help you with your goal for the day of like making sure that you get in enough water um, without being a ton of extra sugar and calories that you don't need to have. See, like, what I do is I always drag bottles of water with me. So I always Just have everywhere? something in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of the times that sort of, like, uncomfortableness at the party, it's like, okay, well, what do I do with my hands or my arms? Like, um, you know, kind of, like, needing a task to do so that you don't feel... Like you're just sort of listlessly walking around. And it's, this is one of those things where like, it's an idea. Drinking something might certainly work, but um, we would need somebody to test it out and report back and see if it works. And, you know, it'll work for some people and not others. And that's when we brainstorm something different and see what else could be done instead, right? Um, if it is like a, a work holiday party, can you offer to things out or something where you have a task to complete um, that will kind of give you direction while you're there so that you have something to do and you don't have to make that idle chit-chat quite as much? Clean up, garbage, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, steal your kids' fidgets, stress balls, things like that. Ooh, yeah. 
bringing a fidget yeah. to a party? Uh, it helps let out some of that nervous energy. It is. You know, a lot of people struggle with what to do with their hands. Yeah. And I know that they make, like, they make, a, like, adult fidgets, I guess is not the right word, but, like, ones that aren't neon, like, brightly colored kid fidgets, like what my children have, like, which you can certainly do, too. But if you needed something that was, like, a little bit more discreet, like, I'm pretty, I don't even know where I've seen them, but I know I've seen ones that are just not as bright that could be more discreet. Or even they have, like, fidget rings. So it's something that you wear, and it looks like a ring, but it's a fidget. Yeah, there's some really cool ones. Yeah. Even a lot of people just fidget with the rings. You see them rolling them around yeah. on their fingers. Yeah, so it's like that, but imagine one that also has other ways that it moves to increase the fidgetability, I guess. Um, but that that would certainly help, right, for somebody who just is looking for something to do with their hands. Um, that could definitely work. And typically those, like, office parties are the ones where it's um, – it's more like buffet type style, so not a sit down meal. It's more of there's either like appetizers out or it is like an actual buffet meal. Um, and that's where I typically suggest people to scope out the whole thing first, right? And so, like, these are things that are going to take up your time, right? Scope out the entire spread first because otherwise you're walking through and you're like, oh, that looks good and that looks good. And suddenly you've had like, a little bit more than some of a lot of different things. Um, but if you see the whole layout first, figure out what it is that you want to have, and then pick up one of the usually like little plates, right? And depending on the size, maybe you end up going back and being able to refill it once. But if you essentially pick up one of the little plates and make your own like grazing plate, so a plate that you know you can pick on throughout the night of the things that you wanted to eat, that can help limit because that grazing behavior when you're just eating a little bit over like a long period of time, you can actually get in more calories than if you sat down and ate a meal. Um, what happens is you you lose that fullness sensation where like if you were to sit down and eat a meal – you're going to hit a point where you get full, and so you stop eating. But if it's just a little trickle of food over a long period of time, you're never going to get full because you're not going to get to that point where it tells your stomach that you're full. That's the hard part is that, you know, a lot of us, and I'm very guilty of this, where you eat and you eat and you eat and you eat and you don't realize you're full until long after the fact. You're so focused yeah. on everything else and all the worries. So, like, does it happen to you when you are, like, sitting down for a meal? That Does that happen? Or, like, when when do you find it usually happens? 
A lot of times for me, it's when I'm doing a million different things and eating as I'm doing it. Yeah. Especially when I graze. Yeah. Or when I get all all wrapped up in my day, I forget to eat. And then you're like ravenous and are just shoving food in as fast as you can. Yep. Yeah, it takes, so it takes about 20 minutes for the signal to get to our brain that we've honestly even started eating. So if you finish all of your food before 20 minutes, your brain really isn't ready to even tell you whether or not you're full. So it's, and I know, and I absolutely know that I do this, that I eat my dinner and it probably only takes me 10 minutes. If I stretch it, it might take 15. Like, um, so stretching it out to where your meal takes you 20 minutes can be hard. Um, but then if you at least have that knowledge of like, okay, I need to wait until it's been 20 minutes, you know that like, Hey, before I go up and get seconds, let me sit here for another five, ten minutes and and really figure out whether or not I'm actually hungry or if it just sounds good. And just allowing yourself to take that time um, to figure it out. And it's something we definitely don't I feel like we're always so rushed that we don't we don't give ourselves that time a lot. How crucial is your mindset when it comes to dealing with eating and food and it makes, how the food I mean, it makes, yeah, it makes a really big difference. Um, so I feel like let's, there's like so many different ways to attack that from, right? So when you're, if you go in and are, thinking like oh I can't have this like I don't deserve to eat this because whatever like I haven't worked out today or I didn't get my steps in or whatever it might be that sort of very negative mindset um, you start to like resent the healthy food even though you may actually enjoy the taste of it and you might um you know, it might not be that bad and you might actually be okay with it, but because you resent the choice, um, willingly make the choice. And so you're more likely to feel like, oh, I've been good all week. I deserve X, Y, and Z and then end up overindulging. Um, so it's that the mindset and like how we view the food, um, makes a big difference in just in the overall picture of our health and the basically like the sustainability of any diet changes that you're trying to make. Uh, they're not going to last if it's, if you're doing it from a place of like, I don't deserve to eat this or I'm not allowed to have whatever kind of food like that, that all or nothing, very negative look at it. 
almost always ends in failure. I'm sure there's somebody who like thrives on it, but from what I've seen, it ends in failure um, because you end up, that's where like people end up like cheating on it or um, just throwing the whole thing away or find that they like can't stick with it. And it's like, well, yeah, you're, you're punishing yourself every day. That's horrible. You're, you're doing it to feel good, but punishing yourself to get there is sort of silly. Versus um, if you took more of like a positive mindset and looking at more of like, well, why am I eating this food? And like I say positive, but honestly, like neutral is great too. Um, it doesn't have to be like that you're overjoyed to eat like a salad or something, but it's, it's understanding why you're eating it and the benefit that it's giving your body and that what you're doing is beneficial in the long run, that either neutral or positive approach that gives you that long-term ability to change. Um, somewhere else I was going with that. And uh, so you're more likely to stick with it. You're going to have that long-term change and you're just genuinely going to be happier overall while you're doing it. Oh, and nothing, nothing is technically off limits, right? When you're doing it that, it that way, it's not like, well, I don't deserve this or I'm not allowed to have that. It's, it's finding where it does fit. Right. And so, this comes up a lot because it, we are in a season of like special occasions. Like it's Hanukkah right now. It's a special occasion or, you know, Christmas is coming up. That's also a special occasion. Uh, so we run into foods that we probably only see once a year. So yes, have them, right. There is that, that social emotional component to our food intake that we do celebrate with food and, even when we're trying to be healthy and feed ourselves well, we also still need to maintain that um, that cultural connection and that like social connection with other humans. So there are more instances of indulgence. The, so it's like, you know, one meal that's quote unquote off track isn't enough to derail your progress. It's when it's like, you know, three out of the four days, or three out of the four, oh, my God, three out of the seven days of the week, right, um, where at least half, if not more, of your meals are completely off track. That's when you're start going to start to see um, that you, like, lose progress. This time of year, I usually am excited if people just stay stable, <laughs> Um, so, you know, you don't, you're not making any progress. You're not seeing the scale necessarily go down, but it's also not going up. Like, if you can just hold it together for a month and stay stable for a month, the the effort that that takes because of everything else you're encountering is going to just set you up for success for, you know, however long it takes you to hit your goal afterwards. You've just, you'll learn so many skill sets in, in terms of how to say no when something is offered without feeling guilty about it. Um, how to determine whether or not something's truly a special occasion or it's your third office Christmas party of the week. And so, you know, number two and three really aren't that special because you celebrated at number one. Um, those are the kinds of, like, lessons that come up this time of year that 
really are empowering and, and carry you through the rest of the next year, essentially. Yeah, you know why the the number 30 is so important, right? 30? Why? Because it takes exactly 28 straight days to change a habit. It takes 28 days to reprogram your brain to overcome an actual habit. And turn Wait, so then that's 28, though. Why 30? Because you have two days of failure. We just found it. Okay. Your first two days are going to be your hardest days. Yeah. And that's where you're going to have your slip-ups. So we always use the, um, 30 or 31, basically one month. Because it takes a month, that yeah. long of conscious thinking and conscious effort to turn it into a new habit and wipe out the old habit. And it becomes, yeah, starts to become an automatic process. Yeah, and it's, it's trying even after those slip-ups, right? I have... I have people that, like, write stuff off so quickly, right? Like, they slip up one day and they're like, well, this this type of eating isn't working for me. I'm like, no, you you had one day off track. Like, you that's not that's not the pattern, the, like, eating pattern failing. That's you being human, right? Like, then try again. You don't just throw it out. So that's, that's, it. that's a difficult mindset. That's just because we've been programmed to, to hit the easy button. Yeah. And so when it's hard, we just don't want to give Get up. Get rid of it and figure there's an, yeah, figure there's got to be an easier way. So don't put in the effort in this hard way. But it's, I don't know, sometimes I feel like with things that get hard, like putting in that effort is part of what makes it worth it. And, you know, part of that's where your mindset comes into play, too, because when you think it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard. When you start telling yourself that it's going to be, you know, difficult, but we got this, it makes it easier to overcome it. Yeah, you don't have to be delusional and think that it's going to be like a walk in the park. Oh, yeah, but no, I don't believe in like, yeah. <laughs> toxic positivity. It's more just being realistic but being optimistic about it. Well, yeah, and that's why, like, I I gladly accept people that have a neutral outlook on it, right? So you don't necessarily always have to be like super upbeat and bubbly. I don't know. I always use the gym as my example for this because I love the way I feel after I work out, but I really have trouble getting started sometimes. And now with having an office in the gym, I I kind of do that. Well, I'm here. I might as well. And like that might as well attitude is enough to like get me started in my workout. And that's, you know, the scary part of society now is that 
we are inundated with this toxic positivity where everything is supposed to always be happy. It's supposed to always be, you know, not real with ourselves. And so when we do fail, we take those setbacks twice as hard (coughs) because we think there's something wrong with ourselves because we're not happy about it. We're not delusional. It's, yeah, and I think that that's one of the things with, like, trying to remember that you see people's highlight reels, right? Like, what we see online is what somebody decides to put out there, and typically they're going to put out their highlights, their good moments, not not always, like, the moments where they're crying in a closet. Like, that doesn't make for good content. Well, it does, but... Um, that might not be like the image that they're trying to portray. Um, but then as consumers, we sort of take this as like, well, you know, especially as a mom, I feel like, right? Like, well, this mom can do all this stuff. Like, why can't I do it? And that's, yeah, that gets into a very awful negative cycle. Or even, like, what somebody can eat and maintain the way that they look, right? So somebody who is, like, thin and fit and you see them eating, like, all these holiday treats and then somebody else who's really working on changing their approach to food is like, well, how come that person can eat all that and look the way that they do? And it's like, well, you're seeing one moment of their life. Like, you don't know what the rest of it is like and I think that that part certainly gets lost too it is and you know we forget to just stop and take a breath absolutely And it's stopping, taking a breath, checking in with yourself, just it can make such a difference in being able to figure out what, very specifically what your body needs in that moment. Um, but a lot of us just, I don't even know when this happens, but at some point a lot of us just stop listening to our body and just kind of like put it off, right? I don't what was I I forget why this sort of came up, but I was thinking about it. But I'm like, at what point are we like, oh, yeah, I can see I'm hungry, but I'll just, like, eat when I, whatever, once I finish this or once I get home and, like, put it off, right? As opposed to, like, a child who's going to be like, no, I need a snack this instant, and we are not putting anything off until the snack happens. I mean, there's definitely a a happy medium there, um, somewhere in between the two extremes. But, like, at what point do we we start putting aside our own very basic needs, right, of eating um, to complete other tasks? I don't think there's a real answer for that. I think we kind of always done it once we got old we kind of moved out of like our parents' house or we hit our teenage years. 
yeah, it's like, oh, well, I'll do all this stuff and then I'll eat or I'm too busy right now. I feel like once I started working full time is when it was like, well, I'm too busy. Like, I'll do that after I finish whatever, right? Like, let me see these nine patients and then I'll take a break and then I'll feed myself. And it's like, how? And it's it's actually very, like, counterproductive because if you just stopped and ate, you'd actually get your other work done faster because you don't have that, like, gnawing hunger in the back of your mind. And it's so easy just to grab something, like a snack or, you know, something quick. It doesn't always have to be, you know, a four-course meal or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be crazy and fancy, um, but just something. Um, you know, sometimes, like, even splitting, like, splitting your lunch into two, right? So if you know you're always getting hungry, eat part of your lunch and then eat the rest of it later or something. Um, There's all kinds of different ways to approach it, but just, you know, back to that stop, take a breath and check in with yourself for a minute and see what your body's trying to tell you it needs to take care of it. The body is just trying to stay alive, and we have to help it, right? It, it can't go, I mean, like, I guess your body is feeding itself. But, like, it can give you the cues that it wants food, but then you have to go do the action. And so sometimes there's definitely a disconnect between what we, what our body's asking for and what we're giving it, or the signals get misconstrued. And that's where, like, cravings and things come in, too. I know one of the, um, one of the interesting, like, craving connections for me is when you're craving something salty, it can actually be that you need more calcium, um, which you wouldn't really think, but it has to do with like the, like sodium and calcium balance for, um, like different functions within your body. But that one was always very interesting to me. It's like your body's trying to tell you something, um, but we have to almost like relearn how to listen to it. You know, that's a really good point that, you know, our cravings are there to tell us we're missing something. Now we have to play detective and figure out what we're missing. And then you get into, like, sometimes it's not food. Sometimes you are genuinely looking for, like, for comfort. And so it's like a memory that's attached to that food. Um, And then you have to go find the comfort somewhere else. But sometimes it is that you're lacking in some sort of other nutrient or whatever, and then sometimes it is um, the emotional component where you're looking for comfort. Um, 
but again, it comes down to like listening to your body and actually being honest with yourself of, okay, what is going on? And we talked a little bit about this on the Monday show about just confession, being honest with yourself, seeing yourself as who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, not what we expect us to be like or what we want, what others think we should be, being who we are. And that's the only thing. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that. Yeah, it's all about finding your purpose and, you know, and setting your goals and how the first step is making that confession and telling your story. But it's being real with yourself and understanding who you are, which is a big reason why um, um, resolutions fail. We are setting expectations of ourselves before we know who we are, but we're also setting unrealistic expectations. Because this is what we think we should be or this is what we think we should be like even size wise and we're not looking at ourselves and putting those steps together based on who we are. Yeah. It's like, I feel especially like new year's resolutions are really people have wonderful lofty goals. And sometimes it's something that you can complete in a full year. We have this expectation that you're going to see this really rapid change. And that's just, not realistic that's not how change especially change that you want to last over the course of time that's just not how it works and you know and seeing yourself yeah that's it you know I'm kind of curious about resolutions and how it all started That's a great question. Don't know anything about that. Like, how did how did the tradition start of um, of making a resolution and changing something about your life for the new year? You know, how long have we been stressing ourselves and putting so much oh. pressure on just a day on the calendar? This is actually pretty interesting. So it goes back to ancient Babylonians 4,000 years ago. But oh, my God. That was new... not what I was expecting. No, that's why this is really interesting. This is according to the History Channel. Their new year actually started in the spring uh, in the crop planting season. And it's a massive 12-day religious festival, and they were crowned the Babylonians crowned a new king or reaffirmed their loyalty to the reigning king, and they made promises to the god to pay their debts and return any objects they borrowed. And these were considered the forerunners of the New Year's resolution. If they kept their word, their gods would bestow a favor on them for the coming year. If not, they would fall out of God's favor, which no one wanted to be. Oh, 
So there's a little bit more um, incentive to keeping your New Year's resolution. And our official New Year's resolution started with um, Julius Caesar back in um, 46 BC. So, I mean, still quite some time ago. Yeah. Were there, um, does it say in there, like, were there sort of ramifications if you didn't follow through, even with Julius Caesar? No, not for Julius Caesar, but they used to offer sacrifices and made promises of good conduct. Uh, There's not as much known about the Julius Caesar part. See, because I kind of like, right, you make these New Year's resolutions, and if you don't follow through, there's no... There's no repercussion, right, besides letting yourself down, which I feel like is a whole other conversation, right, of being committed to yourself and the changes that you've promised yourself and showing up for yourself. That dives into, like, self-worth and all kinds of things. But, you know, when we don't follow through on our New Year's resolutions, nothing really happens. We just sort of stay where we are. According to recent research, 45% of Americans say they make resolutions for New Year's. Only 8% are successful in achieving their goals. That's too bad. It's, it speaks to the fact that the goals are probably unrealistic. And then there's also probably like a lack of almost like planning. I wouldn't even necessarily say dedication because maybe somebody's truly like, dedicated and wants to make the change but without a plan of how to get there it's going to be very difficult you got to break it down into those small steps to get to that big change and especially since we don't believe in we don't we don't believe like we did back then of repercussions for our actions. So we don't have that guilt holding over us if we don't do it. Right. We're not as in tune with our, our guilt. I grew up Catholic. So the Catholic guilt. Oh gosh. It's all it's Catholic (laughs) guilt is almost as worse as the Jewish guilt. Yeah, they are quite on par. But it's not saying that there needs to be repercussions going forward for, like, New Year's resolutions. But it is interesting that, like, you know, how are people choosing to hold themselves accountable to the resolution that they made? Because that accountability factor, you know, is a big determinant in success as well. And there's so many, and and then when we do have cheat days, we overdo the cheat days. Oh yeah. Then we excuse it. Procrastinate. So okay, I screwed up, but we have tomorrow, and then tomorrow comes the next day, and it just keeps going. I 
am not a huge fan of cheat days in general, right? There's such thing as actual special occasions, but to have a cheat day just because it's Sunday, like, that's really, I mean, more or less, it's, it's like glorifying binging and restricting eating behaviors where you've stayed on, on track and are quote-unquote good for six days, so day you get to just go all out. It's, yeah. So I know that that's a big thing, and there's a few guys in the gym right now that are getting ready for a, um, like, a physique competition, and they're like, well, what about cheat days? And I'm like, it's not, I'm like, you can't, sure, you can have, like, a sub, right? Like, you can go off plan and eat bread instead of like your your whole grains that you've been doing you can have like a white bread sandwich instead but like to have a full-on like cheat day where you just eat whatever you want you're going to feel so especially with that level of eating you feel so bad the next day like genuinely just don't feel good um because it's just such a shock to your body a whole nother level but it's just not yeah it's not good it's it's like it's like not so mild restricting and binging and then when you throw the uh why are you going to cheat on yourself thing in there, it kind of changes the mindset a little bit too of like, why am I doing this, right? Like, is it, there's a difference if there's a special occasion or you're like, hey, you know what, I really want this and I'm making a conscious decision that I'm going to eat this today. Like, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you're doing it because you get to essentially like give up on your progress for a day, that's not, not a great mindset. And that's, you know, the big thing is just our mindset. You know, that's what gets in our way. It's a good thing and it's a bad thing. It is. And, and it's not... Go ahead. It's, there's not like a... Oh, there's not like a switch, right? Like you can't like, oh, I'm going to change my mindset and then suddenly you think about everything differently. It's It takes that kind of like self-talk through a lot of different things to be like, no, you know what? I'm going to choose to view it this way instead and kind of reframe as you're going through different situations. But it, um, you know, it's not just a switch. It's not just a choice one day to wake up. One of the things we did talk about, you know, on Monday was, you know, looking at kids, that two to four year range where they still had that innocence and they would, you know, they fill all their needs and their, and at the same time, they get what they need done. Well, they haven't developed that procrastination. They haven't developed that um, negativity yet. Their emotions are on their sleeve. 
They're happy, they're sad, they're mad, whatever. You know it. And it's... Bill, yeah. And it's, you can, you, and as adults, like, we try to help them change their mindset, right? Like, we turn things into kind of, like, games, right? Like, okay, let's make a game to clean up your toys and kind of help them shift how they're viewing it. Um, but then we also have to do the same thing for ourselves, which is always so much harder. It is because we've already got our minds tunnel visioned and, you know, closed, and this is how it's got to be where we need to start opening it up and looking at all the wonders and possibilities. Kind of like when Learning individuals go... And ways of approaching. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like when you, um, some of the older generations, when you, when you go through that near-death experience or you've had that big medical problem and you survive it, you, your whole perspective is changing. you got to learn to do that without the disaster happening first. Right? <laughs> it's like, can we do this without trying to die in the process? And it does it does feel weird to kind of, like, stop your own self-talk, right, and say, no, I would like to say this differently to myself and try out some new phrasing with it. Like, it feels a little strange at first to do that, but it's, it's very helpful. I lost what I was going to say. Never mind. Oh, okay. I was like, it sounded like... Um, so we're almost at time, and I want to make sure that I keep putting in, like, my own things at the end, right? So the, the meal planning journal is um, up on the website. It should be out uh, on the first, actually, in terms of being able to order the physical copy. Um, my dad is actually putting it into the Kindle publisher right now because I had issues with the spacing, and he's published a book through there before, so he's on it. Um, so it's all done. It's just a matter of setting it in the right formatting, which is really cool. Um, and then... Uh, if anybody wants to follow me, I'm most active on Instagram, and uh, which is my name, Beth Wyman underscore RD. And I think I put this all in the Facebook group last and week. I'll in the and make sure. description of the show, I've been I put it in every description of the shows. Awesome, that's great. Um. So, yeah, and I'm always open to, like, questions and things. I know that there's the Nutrition Matters chat um, attached to the Facebook group, which I do go and check. So if anybody ever has questions in between or things that they want to hear about, I'm definitely open to it. Ariana, I see you. Oh, there you are. (laughs) Sorry, my daughter was having issues with her computer. Oh, no, that's fine. I can never, I can't always tell when it's like somebody trying to talk versus background. Um, Yeah. Most of the time in my house, it's background. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, I get that. They're all out right now at my house, which is lovely. 
Uh, my Christmas present to myself was new equipment, so it actually tunes, eliminates the background noise. Ooh, that's very cool. And the cool part was it was only 50 bucks on Amazon with the soundboard, the mic, that's, and the headset. That's even better. Yeah, I, I was looking at stuff for the radio show and stuff, and I freaked out because it's like two, 300 bucks. I'm like, no. That's crazy. No, 50 sounds, sounds perfect. So join us back here tomorrow at noon Eastern time, and it's family time. We have a special guest coming on tomorrow, um, Brandon Johnson, who's a children's author, and him and his daughter write books. And he's got a powerful story of overcoming his handicaps due to a car accident as a child. And how did he write stories to help kids answer the hard questions? Very cool. And join us back here next Wednesday at noon for more holiday talk. With that. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Have a great afternoon. You too. Thanks. Bye for now. Bye.